We're on. We're on. We're on. I better speak into the mic. We're on. Do you like that smooth little... That was quite quite organized, if I do say so myself. Yeah. Um, I'm very so, jealous. I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a handheld one on oh. a tripod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're... We're uh, trying to record this a slightly different way, so who knows if you're even going to notice uh, if you're watching. But um, hopefully with each show, we're making some improvements. Um, so what's up, Nick? Um, yeah, not much. Just keeping busy. Keeping very busy. Keeping busy. Ready for the jingle? Yeah, definitely. All right, here we go. <laughs> In peace, out pain. In peace, out pain. Oh, man. Uh, loving that jingle. <laughs> Makes me feel like talking about the Sabbath. I got to be honest with you. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, I just feel the Sabbath screaming at me in that jingle. Yep. I, I, I'm in battle mode as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, if you are dialing in, and this is the first uh, two-age sojourner uh, you're listening to, um, the Sabbath is shame some, on you. Shame, shame on you for not getting in sooner. Oh, welcome, welcome, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for dialing in. No, but um, we uh, one of the things that's important to Klein's theology, one of the, and it's sort of developed in his theology. One of the important things to covenant theology in general. One of the important things to reform theology is that you um, you have this crowning jewel. Um, of the Sabbath given to your theology and that you uh, see a place for it that just works its way right throughout redemptive history at some level. And um, I think covenant theology does great justice to that. Um, obviously with mm. Klein b- being being a, a podcast that wants to emphasize Kleinian things and, uh, and you know, moving those um, sorts of, of, of thoughts, um, one of the things that's been important about Klein's thinking has been the literary framework view um, in Genesis, and that and that really sets it up to to almost anticipate what is going to what is going to happen with this Sabbath thing uh, right from the get go. And Klein makes this massive case that the Sabbath is of key importance. So I think I think in the, in those ways he accentuates uh, what's already quite developed in covenant theology. Um, the thing about Klein's view, though, is that um, and and anyways, what I was saying there is that you could dial back, you could go back and check out some previous episodes. Uh, we've we we had uh, I think you and I talked about it a while back, um, yep. probably yeah, before video, back. and then just before we started the video um, around Christmas period, um, my brother and Chris Kahi, the other guy on the show, um, he they, they wanted to speak about that a little bit more. And uh, they, I th- I'm not sure exactly where Chris lands on it. I know my brother likes Klein's most uh, recent view, the view he sort of came out with in God, Heaven, and Armageddon, um, which was essentially, I don't know, for me, it just seems like a view that basically um, adopts all the biblical theological substance and, and leaves no room for any sort of ordinance in, um, in the New Testament. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in a in a while, and then um, and then you have various sort of stages in his thinking where uh, you know Kleinians have landed, I suppose, and um, and so we would I would differ 
from my brother at this point in time. I think mm-hmm. I, I think that's pretty sure. Although I was listening to that again, and um, it'd be good to actually have him on this. But we'll we'll do a sequel. We'll do it. Uh, what is it called? Uh, what's the third one? A get a prequel Synthesis. sequel. Get a. I want to say part three. It must be a better word for part three. But anyway, um, we'll do a part four actually if we if we take those beginning ones in in mind but anyway um what we want to do is just uh make sure that we aren't over talking each other because there is there is some sense in which everyone functionally lands on the same place like if you talk to my brother he'll be like well um you know we're all going to church on sunday and we see that as something that is part of the lord's day uh you know just how do we get there and what is what is the thing that that drives that is that exactly part of the sabbath um Mm. Uh, in terms of the Ten Commandments, or is this something different? And so it's a it's a rich discussion that keeps going, um, and we'll keep talking about it. And uh, and it is important not just because we want to be you know like going crazy with like Seventh Day Adventist stuff, you know, or or, uh, or just trying to be really weird about Sabbath keeping. If anything, none of us are on that page. I don't think any of of us are taking a kind of strict old school Sabbatarian Westminster kind of view. Um, no we all land more on that continent Heidelberg vibe. And, uh, and then it's just a matter of working it out. And the thing, the thing about it is it's not even about the practice and practicalities for us. It's more just wanting to be clear on how it relates to the gospel, you know, and, and, and make sure that we're not short selling that. And then of course you don't want to be ignoring some, some ordinances that you're called to, to adhere to as well. Um, so with that in mind, I know that, you know, after that, that, uh, my brother put that one out, you came on, uh, either we were talking about it or you were talking to me personally and uh, you were like, dude, we need to come back on the Sabbath. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing today. Well, uh, I guess let's just start off by uh, maybe mapping it out. So if you can imagine the confessions on one side, your Westminster and your 1689, mm-hmm. to Klein on the opposite side and it seems that you know your brother has gravitated all the way over there. I, if, if I'm reading you correctly, you and I are somewhere in the middle. So we so. are confessional. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have a level of subscription, mm-hmm. but we also see some modification, but we're very happy to tie it in with the confession. Mm. I think that there's some, some renovation that we can bring to our, our adherence to the 1689 yeah. so that we don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. Um, yeah. So probably we are somewhere in between Andre's view and the confessional view, but we're not all the way over with the confession. Yeah. Although not all the way over with Andre, so we're not in total disagreement with either side. Right. Um, there are sympathies on both ends. So now, I guess it's just uh, it's it's for us to explain how we find ourselves in that middle ground. Mm. Well, yeah. it might be a good idea to start off with agreement, because um, you know, obviously, I'm at 100 in agreement with everything clients say. I mean, there's nothing. It's almost like all I'm doing is adding to what he said. I haven't I haven't really uh, uh, certainly even his most mature view. Amen. The whole way through. I mean, all he's saying there is that at the end of the day, the rest, um, the uh, catapausis, as it were, um, you know, that, that God sets up in the seventh day of creation um, was always intended to be an eschatological glory. And, um, and this was originally um, a, a possibility, I suppose you could say, for, for Adam um, upon successful obedience, uh, successful um, completion of his trial and probationary period. Um, but he failed to do that. And so that rest has been 
you know, there it is. God dwells in Sabbath glory. He is inviting man still, but now not through a covenant of works under the first Adam, but through a covenant of grace under the last Adam. And uh, it's really still operating under that works uh, mechanism in that Christ is the one who is, who is successfully completing the trial crisis and probation, and he is therefore giving it to us by grace. So uh, the works thing drives the whole engine, and uh, Jesus gets uh, what, what Adam would have got, uh, which is um, uh, what we are given by grace alone, which is ultimately to, as Hebrews says, dwell in that Sabbath that uh, was 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 just running throughout, if you could put it that way. Um, and uh, yep, and so, so totally agree with you that. know that's and yeah. Klein just says basically that's it. Um, you know, da da. That's yeah. the big that's the big unveil. And you know, it's a, like to that extent, amen. You know, um, and then yeah. the only sickler for me, and I, I honestly I wouldn't even have a problem with that. I'd just be like, yeah, okay, fine, perfect. <laughs> but uh, the the thing is that um, you've got that. Hebrews, I, sh- I should actually have the Bible in front of me now, but um, where it talks about uh, there now remains a Sabbath keeping ordinance. And the author of Hebrews there is um, using two different Greek words, uh, katapauses, to the Sabbath keeping rest state that we enter into via faith in Christ. Um, and then, the, therefore, there now remains a Sabbatismus, which is, you know, sometimes translated in the same way in English, but it's just, it's too, you know, the Sabbath keeping ordinance is in view there. Um, I think it's particularly powerful in that you've got you know the whole problem in the book of Hebrews being that the the the, the Christians are feeling a bit of pressure and are as a result going back to their you know they're being ostracized from Jewish community etc. So they're going back to the shadows, going back to their Sabbath um, Saturday um, Jewish uh, worship and uh, trying to avoid the persecution and and you know you have statements that are that are pretty wild in, in Hebrews talking about not doing that and then don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Um, you know, primarily in, in mind there is worship. So, it you know, you put all that together and it's just, it it's, makes quite a powerful case that he says, right, now we have entered into what the shadows have pointed to. That, that's final, that's complete. And as a result, there, there remains a Sabbath-keeping ordinance, but it's not Jewish worship. It's not Saturday. It's now the Lord's Day. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Now, that's a super rough paraphrase with absolutely no uh, you know, specif- uh, specifications at all. But we can go there, you know, just trying to paint a general landscape to begin with. And um, But for me, that's a big thing. Like I, fi- I find like if I could get over that, I could probably just jettison the whole thing. But that's, that's the whole... That's the stickler for me. So it's not coming from the confession or a desire to be confessional. I've already, pretty much, to be honest, I mean, that Sabbath chapter is just a nightmare in the confession. Um, you know, it's it's way taking on that Puritan, um, you know, over overemphasized, almost like, you know, covenant theology rubric where you just got a one-for-one transfer of everything in the Old Testament to the New. They had a Sabbath with their regulations and typological ordinances. We have them too. You know, there's almost like no progression in in, in what we're called to do there. So I don't like the the, the 69 on the Sabbath. Um, but insofar as we're Sabbatarian, you know, I, I see a place, a need for that chapter. Um, I don't know if you, if you have a different view there. Yeah, man, no, I totally agree with that. I guess I have other reasons. Um, so I agree with everything you just said regarding Hebrews. Um, totally agree regarding uh, the Sabbath as, as a the covenant sign of the covenant of works. Mm-hmm. And that's why the death penalty would have been applied in the republished covenant of works in mm-hmm. Israel. 
Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's why the death penalty, that's why such a stringent penalty came into play is because it was reflecting the covenant of works and the penalty of death yeah. that was to be applied. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there I'm very happy with Klein, very fed by Klein, mm-hmm. very, you know, wow, what, what amazing insights. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, I feel that that gives me the grounds to actually set up the Lord's Day for the New Testament people of God. Yeah. Because we're no longer in the covenant of works. And, and here's where I've come at it from. So um, I'm a lot more strongly convinced of creation, the whole concept of a creation ordinance. Mm-hmm. Um, I cut my teeth on John Murray when I studied ethics and I read his principles of conduct. And I studied Jay Dalma, the Dutch ethicist, and a number of other guys. And I'm firmly convinced in my own mind that there are certain creation norms. Mm-hmm. And although those creation ordinances don't continue in the same uh, way in which they would have served a covenant of works, they are still a pattern for human life. And um, so, for example, marriage, government, family, and work and worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, although it doesn't say that Adam ever kept a Sabbath or that he was never commanded to keep a Sabbath, that's the nature of the way in which the creation ordinances were given. The mm. institution of a thing is the commanding of the thing. Yep. Um, and so my, my, I see, uh, you know, as I look at each of the Ten Commandments, so you just take, for example, marriage, Seventh Commandment, or parents and children, their relationship, the Fifth Commandment. Each of those commandments deals with a major sphere of life. Mm-hmm. And it seems, to, and, and each one of those is rooted in the garden and, and develops from there. Um, it seems to me that the, the Sabbath work and worship, as it as it gives us a pattern for human living, is is likewise rooted in the garden. Yeah. So on top of everything you've just said, I would add these other reasons, and then now, there are a few other things as well. Um, hmm. I was very sympathetic to the way that Andre and our brother Chris was were, were reading the texts in the New Testament. You know, the Galatians text, the Colossians text, the right. Romans texts. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the way that I used to read them. Right. And then basically I had to look at the Lord's Day and I had to ask this question, where did this thing come from? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have this designation, the Lord's Day. And it's, it's, there's only two, two things designated that way in the New Testament. It's the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Day. And the people of the Lord would be a close third. Um, yeah. And so it's a, it's a high designation. It's, it sets it apart. It, it consecrates it unto God. Um, and it's not, it's not a practice from nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about the Lord's Supper, where mm-hmm. does it come from? Mm-hmm. We can immediately map its history into the Old Testament, part of the Passover, but mm-hmm. it gets renovated mm-hmm. and reapplied for the new covenant. Where does the Lord's Day come from? How can you, you know, in the Old Testament, if you were a Jew, if you, if you take into consideration the thousands of years that would have think, of thinking that would have gone into the concept of the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, it's that eschatological day. Yeah. What does the Lord's Day point to? <laughs> right exactly the day of the lord um yeah. and so you know where does this practice come from it's not a practice from nowhere um and so you know as i as i was wrestling with the way in colossians and romans and galatians paul you know pushing back on the judaizers pushing back on the the colossian heretics pushing back on uh, trying to cause the gentiles and the jews in rome to come to a harmony united in the body of christ the question i had to ask myself was this so here's a practice, the Lord's Day, and here are these scriptures that seem to be attacking the Sabbath. Yeah. So where did this Lord's Day come from? And so the first question I ask is this. Did the early church have a practice of meeting on the first day of the week? And the answer is yes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2, uh, Acts 20, verse 1 to 8, the Lord's Day itself, Revelation, verse 1 to 10. Then I asked this, um, was that a tradition that was handed on by the apostles? Was that an apostolic practice? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it was. And that's why John is able to, by the end of the first century, at the end of that period, as they moved out of the Old Testament into the New Testament, there's this thing called the Lord's Day. And a verse that uh, sort of, I think, sheds some light on it is 2 Thessalonians 2, mm-hmm. um, verse 15. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So I just want you to grapple with that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Paul recognizes that there are two, two ways in which apostolic teaching had come to Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. There were things that he, he had imparted face-to-face mm-hmm. through speech, and there are things that have, have been written in the first epistle of Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. So do you think that one of those traditions that would have been handed on would have been things like the head coverings, would have been things like the, the meeting on the first day of the week, exactly how the bread would have been broken, how the baptisms would have been... Um, applied you know these are the things that the apostles would have done face to face and in person right. and we see evidence of that apostolic practice in the book of acts right and so is that one of the traditions so if if the apostle paul um had handed on for example baptism by immersion which we believe mm-hmm. um you know a particular way in which the lord's supper would have been celebrated as a love feast mm-hmm. um and, and various other things along with that would have been worship on the first day of the week so when he talks to the Romans and the Galatians and the Colossians and he starts attacking this thing called the Sabbath, he's obviously not attacking that thing in his mind, which he's handed on as tradition called, which came to be called the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so if there is a practice in the book of Acts, which would have come through apostolic tradition, and I know that the Roman Catholics abuse this verse. They use this verse to, to teach tradition in the wrong way. Right. But uh, there is a legitimate form of apostolic tradition that we're trying to tap into, mm-hmm. which, we are re- uh, which we are inferring by good and necessary inference. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that, you know, sure, Paul, let, let Paul talk all about the Sabbath and attack the Sabbath in, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Rome, Colossae, uh, and so on. But he, in his mind, he wouldn't be attacking this thing he had handed on as a tradition. Right. And so, yeah, that's to, to my mind. That's that's well, where I've sort of come I mean, to. It's now, use, the Lord's the Lord's Day is not a practice from nowhere, right? And I mean, I don't know if you would agree with me on this, but the Lord's Day is not the Sabbath. You know, we've got to you've got to just make a a basic distinction there. In fact, one of the one of the um, the guys that have been more helpful to anyone else on this issue is John Gill. Um, he, I love what he said. He just mesmerized me on this whole thing. He's like, well, everyone's saying it's a creation ordinance, blah blah blah, da da da. Fine. That's the Sabbath. That's Saturday. The Sunday, the Lord's Day, is a new creation ordinance. <laughs> he's just like, Amen. different thing. So he's like, you know, he's saying, is there continuity? Absolutely. 100% in the sense that, you know, that's what Hebrews says. So the, the whole thing is we have now entered into that thing pointed to on on, on the Saturday um, by this typological sort of pointer law keeping. And we'll go back to that in a second. But and now that that's you know that has been fulfilled in Christ, so everything Klein says in the, his most mature view, um, the simple truth is that there remains now a Sabbath keeping ordinance, which isn't the Sabbath; it's the Lord's day. And so, yeah, I mean, like the, 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 those things, as you said, those things that attack the Sabbath, 
you know, uh, whatever verse you're looking at there, I mean, amen. You know, I'm not, I'm, when no one's arguing that anyone needs to worship on the Saturday, that's kind of the whole point. That's the thing that went yeah. wrong. We want to be worshiping on the Lord's Day. And if anything, that's the thing we're calling people to as the New Testament Sabbath-keeping ordinance. So I suppose what I want to do is make a clear distinction between the Sabbath and a Sabbath-keeping ordinance now found in the in the Lord's Day. Um, I think the confession itself doesn't use the term Sabbath. Does it use it or does it say Lord's Day? I think that, uh, as I understand it, the chapter is called uh, the Sabbath. Is it? Yeah. I, know, I, I remember think that's thinking... why it, it plays into the hands of the critique. Right. Because as soon as Paul attacks something called the Sabbath and Christians own something called the Sabbath, it sets itself up for criticism. Right. Yeah. And if we just kept with the biblical description of the Lord's Day, right. so instead of trying to root it in the Ten Commandments for continuity's sake, rather rooting it in creation or new creation, mm-hmm. um, we probably could have avoided... Uh, I think so. I remember looking at it and thinking, hmm, there's a real tension in the way they've worded it in, in kind of, um, yeah, they might have, uh, I can't remember offhand now, but they might have, um, you know, had the title of the Sabbath and and then, you know, used the term Lord's Day throughout. I don't know how faithful that is if I was watching, um, watching, if I was uh, reading some sort of paraphrase there. But um, um, that's, that's, I think, important. Now, just bringing, bringing that back all the way to the beginning, though, um, that that means that you know you've got this you've got this this um, ordinance or this commandment that is given in the beginning. It has to do with the covenant of works entirely. Um, you know, with Adam, you know, you work to enter into rest. Six days you shall work, you'll enter into rest. There's an imaging, there's a mirroring of God's work, and therefore, I mean, you know, the the whole uh, notion of a covenant of works. Um, yeah. Hang on, I'm going to have to tell Candace to get Eva inside. She's making this massive noise. One second. Once again, yeah. for the edit. So there it is, a covenant of works set up. Now, um, that goes through Israel quite clearly, and you've got the typological, like, stop working, as you said, uh, you know, or you, you've, got to, you've, got to, um, you've got to cease your labor 100% to, to typologically indicate through your physical movements a, a state of complete rest on the Sabbath. And then you work to enter that rest. So all, all of that stuff is just, you know, heightened in its picture sense. If you, were, if you were flying over on a helicopter, you would see movement, you know, on, on, on the six days and then just stillness on the seventh day. Um, you know, and all of that again, just powerfully pointing to this thing that Christ needed to do for His people. They were clearly failing under that arrangement. Christ comes, He works, He enters into rest, He dies. We're in Him. We are resurrected. This is why we begin our work week not in uh, in a state of, of of needing to attain, but rather we begin by worship in this thing called the Sabbath. We were in the Sabbath state, that is the the catapalsis. And then, um, and then we, um, we, we celebrate that and we work from our rest, just basic gospel stuff. So there's the rubric, you know, all throughout. And uh, by our celebration of the gospel on the Lord's Day, we've entered into a taste of new creation. Uh, we've entered into, uh, it's the closest we get in this life, right? To, to uh, a glimpse of, of the kingdom that cannot be shaken, uh, 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 the heavenly Mount Zion that we come to worship at. And, um, and so institutionally, I suppose, uh, I would say, and, and just experientially, years where we connect with that new creation, it's a new creation ordinance. It's not signifying that any more work needs to be done. And so that's why I loved, I loved what Klein did with the whole, 
you know, it, it, it's fulfilled in coming to church. There was kind of his midway, midway argument, you know, before he went uh, all the way there. But I really liked that because I thought, you know, there it is. I mean, you are doing everything that you're meant to be doing there at church. Beyond that, though, if you start asking people to not buy or sell or, you know, keep still and not move too fast, or you're, you're really going right back to shadows. You just can't, you can't ignore that. And the other thing is, you know, you really have to go and look. You're left in complete arbitrariness um, if you're trying to find the rules and regulations for a new covenant there. You know, what does it look like after the worship of uh, on the Lord's Day? Does it... You know, at, at what level? You know, when does the Sabbath end exactly? At five o'clock or six o'clock? Or, you know, how does it work? And um, we're unable to answer any of those questions. And as soon as they've tried, it's, it's just, you know, you end up just a full scale reversion to the to the um, the shadows again. So, you know, I mean, I think that um, that's a that's a real problem right there. Um, so there's my thing, mm. you know. Yeah, let me let me add to that. Mm. So, yeah, the grand difficulty is. Which Sabbath should the unbeliever keep? Yes, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, Saturday Sabbath is a sign of the covenant of works, Mm -hmm. and in one sense, the Lord's Day is a sign of the covenant of grace, Mm -hmm. the covenant of works fulfilled, the Mm -hmm. new creation Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Which day do we ask the unbelievers not to work on? Right, unbelievers are still under the covenant of works, right? Well, see now, here's where I I would I would uh, take a slightly (laughs) more different, slightly different view to Kleinia, in that. Um, I, I agreed with him in terms of the covenant specifications regarding the particular day of worship for the covenant people and everything um, that is for the covenant people alone. And we can go back to creation ordinance in a second just to see how that maps out. But, um, but in terms of natural law, I don't think there was a, 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 a specific, you know, a specification, a positive uh, element to that, to that law written on the heart. Uh, the fourth commandment in in natural law terms is simply to to worship God as He requires you to worship Him on a day that mm-hmm. He sets out to worship Him uh, in you know so worship the true way basically and and worship according to God's precepts and uh, and set that time apart like uh, every man that is created uh, needs to worship God in the way that and, and set time apart to do so in the week. Um, so I, th- I feel like that is clearly the burden that's evidenced right throughout humanity. I mean, uh, you know, clearly people feel the sting of that. And uh, one way or another, they, they know that they need to do that. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, an actual day that, that we're going to get people to stop working, I mean, that's for the covenant people only in the Old Testament anyway. So it's kind of a moot thing for for us. Um, in terms of the New Testament, again, the whole thing it doesn't really become, it's not a problem it is a problem if through work people aren't able to go to church, you know? And even there, there's a lot of flex. Like there are some churches that do evening services. So you could find a church if you work every morning. I'm not going to have a problem with that. If you're working in the morning and you've got a good church that meets in the evening as a mainstay of your worship, and that's fine with them, and, you know, that works, amen. If you've got it the other way around, amen. Um, the only problem comes in when your job is of such a nature that it actually stops you from worshiping. You know, um, yeah, I, with the sure. people on the Lord's Day, yeah. The point I was trying to make was that uh, the difficulty that the, the difficulty that question creates highlights the absurdity. So, which day should the unbeliever keep if they're yeah. under a covenant of works? And there's a New Testament day called the Lord's Day. Do we ask them to keep Sunday or Saturday? Yeah. That 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 difficulty mm. highlights that something has changed that we mm. can no longer demand it in the same way. Yeah, uh, totally. Now, yeah. just. Uh, 
going back though a little bit because um, just to what you were saying earlier, you cut your teeth on Murray and that sort of thing. Um, with the creation ordinance um, issue, now, would you say that? Would you agree with with Klein concerning the the? Um, well, Klein would just say that the Sabbath was given to the covenant community, and uh, he had in mind there the the seventh day, or at least um, the Saturday, seventh day worship. Um, rather than the eighth day, um, so to speak. Well, it depends which client you're talking about. Uh, as I understood, Chris, he, he spoke about, uh, um, he agreed with middle client, not later client or early client. Yeah, right. Did, so, did Chris actually say that? Did he, did he land on middle yeah. client as well? Okay. Yeah, nice. basically. So, and, and middle client basically took that little paragraph from chapter 22 in the London Baptist Confession, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, paragraph seven, it says, as it is the law of nature, Mm-hmm. that in general a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God. So by his word, in a, a positive moral and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages. So what, I think what the point was that there is a law of nature. Mm-hmm. There is a, a, a creational aspect. Yep. I think uh, right. Chris stayed away from creation ordinance, probably right. because of its association with people like Murray, which he doesn't want to be tied in. I'm happy at that point to be tied in with Murray. Well, there's a whole other but, thing um, going on there with Klein that's important. We need to come back on that. But yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I that that's uh, I'm in total agreement with with what Chris was affirming in Klein at that point. Okay. Cool. Because um, you know the whole thing there is um, what I'm starting to realize when it comes to this whole um, covenant of works thing, uh, and you know this this tucks into a whole discussion around merit. And, um, you know, how merit works with Adam and it gets super technical, super quickly. But one of the things is, um, you know, is it better to think of, of that whole covenant, you know, cause, cause Klein will say, for example, the, the, the Sabbath is given to the covenant community. The guys who oppose will say, no, it's a creation ordinance. It's bigger than that. And it just so happens that the only people around on planet earth were the covenant community, but you got to be broader than that. You can't just say, um, it's it's only given to them just because only they existed at that point. Klein returns, well, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying that actually by way of of um, making this this covenant with man as uh, made it made in the image of God. <clears throat> in other words, it's not like God creates and then superimposes a covenant of works. He, Klein's whole thing is, you know, by virtue of creation and especially uh, image, uh, making man in the image of God, it is him making a covenant with, with man. And that was always only intended to be, you know, um, amidst those who would keep the covenant, who, who um, there was never a provision in that for, you know, a sort of larger audience, as it were, for the, there was no common grace at that point. It's only, it's only a rea- well, reaction is probably not the right word, but um, a result <clears throat> of the fall that we see common grace in its, in its um, uh, dulled, uh, at least, sorry, the conscience in its dulled form, natural law in its, in its hardened uh, heart form, you know, results. And so basically what that means, why that's significant, I think, is that you have, um, you know, everyone, I think you have to say that everyone who is in any way part of the covenant of works, um, whether you were Adam or you're going to hell because of what Adam failed to do, you know, in a marred form, um, to the degree that that's true, there must be a fourth commandment. There just has to be some something that you're in trouble for 
on the fourth commandment. So I would say that that it's important to emphasize that every um, unbeliever, you know, if we're going to choose a day, for example, that day would have been the Saturday. Uh, it's best yes. represented by the Saturday because every week, as Klein says, that rolls by, this kingdom prologue, every week that rolls by, it's it's a sign of eschatological judgment. I mean, think about what the Sabbath is. It's a sign of the end, right? Yeah. And so what does that mean? I mean, every it must be burdened upon the unbeliever that every single week that that rolls around, uh, you know, the, the believer who is now found in Christ, worshiping on the first days, is, is, is celebrating his salvation. But those stuck under this old covenant of works feel the burden of, and the sting of the Saturday, so to speak. But in terms of, you know, what they know to do, I don't know that, that they knew about Saturdays. You know, it's just that that was the definition given to it uh, amongst the covenant community at that point. Um, yeah. Man, that's pretty so nebulous. I totally but agree. I, heard, I think yeah. what, I guess, boiling it down to its basic essence, it would have been a time for worship. Uh, yeah. at, at a stretch, one day in seven. At a stretch, one um, in seven, I like, right. Uh, I like what Turretin said. He said, look, the, the fourth commandment has two aspects, moral and ceremonial. Yeah. I like the I like the moral, ceremonial, civil distinction. Yep. Um, and so there's a moral aspect, which which is perpetual. There's yep. a ceremonial aspect, which is rooted in the day. Well, moral um, and, and positive would, is what we he, would say. Yeah. A, there's a covenantal aspect, which hmm. undergirds the ceremonial aspect. Yeah, um, but I exactly. guess the way that I approach the creation ordinances, it might be a little bit different to, to the other conversation partners. Um, I take marriage and I take the Sabbath and I say, as you argue for marriage, so you're going to argue for the Sabbath. So let's mm -hmm. just think about marriage. If Adam had never fallen mm -hmm. marriage, if Adam had never fallen would have been a salvation machine, right? Babies would have born righteous into the world for salvation. Now, marriage in a covenant of works had a certain function that it would have served, which it can in no way serve after the fall. Mm -hmm. But the institution of marriage is still a gift of God, even in a fallen state, which brings mm -hmm. goodness into, into, into our lives. And, and it puts on display all the goodness of God and the grace of God and the wisdom of God. And so it, it still has a, a positive um, uh, part to play in our lives. And mm -hmm. so it continues through the fall. M marriage continues through, even though it cannot be the salvation machine was originally intended to be mm -hmm. in the same way the sabbath had a certain function sure it's all fallen apart we can no longer use it to to in the, in the way in which it served in a covenant of works as it would have served uh, in adam but now it still has a positive part to play in terms of pattern mm -hmm. for human living so well, that's the way that i've approached it so the whole thing there you know and that that joins quite closely to the cultural mandate and that sort of thing as well. Um, you know, if we think about, um, you know, having children and all of that, I mean, you know, yes. what happens after the fall? Well, we see it very clearly repeated, reinstated with Noah. Klein draws attention to the fact that we don't, um, we don't see the Sabbath commandment reinstated clearly at that point for a significant reason in that you have, uh, you know, they don't have the promise held out to them. Um, and so there's a common grace dimension to that uh, that's very clear. But I think even in that, and this is, I don't know if, you know, Klein himself would agree with me here, but, but you know, I, I would say that it's wise to distinguish, to kind of form a blend in what he's saying and what you're saying there in the, in the sense that you've got, um, you've got that natural law that still ticks on. You know, you, even though yeah. it's, not, it's not being issued by way of an ordinance to the world, 
um, and it is being issued by way of a, a commandment and ordinance to this to the covenant community to 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 teach theology and to show them stuff. Um, you know, th- th- it doesn't diminish the fact that there's still a burden upon them to to keep what they can't keep. In other words, it's the futility of it all that needs to be spelled out. They can never enter into rest. They can never. See, Klein's whole thing was that they can never keep the Sabbath. Right? They can never. Um, they could never worship uh, and never yeah. uh, receive the promise. But I feel like that has a double-edged sword because it's true, and that's why they need to keep it under a fallen covenant. Um, you know, because, well, not keep yeah. it, but at least the weight of it in terms of its natural law rendering, whatever, you know, what we've said earlier, the one in seven principle or just a, 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 the need to worship God uh, in a way that is pleasing to him. I mean, that's a damning thing that hits you every single day of your life or week of your life. Um, if if you um, if you are not in the covenant community, so and that's powerful. I guess maybe just 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 an argument for natural law for a moment, because yeah. I think one of the things that would be disputed is whether there is a one in seven day thing on the heart. Right. And I guess what I would I, what I would put forward is this: Are there holy days in every religion in the world? When man, at a most basic level, as he pursues the spirituality that he knows he needs. Mm-hmm sets aside days and times in worship of the Lord. So there right. is there is an instinct in man's heart, which I think the the the, the confession does capture. It talks mm. about the law of nature. Yeah. Um, yet we where where general revelation fails to articulate it clearly, mm-hmm. special revelation comes and gives a clear articulation of what we feel in some vague part. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. I mean it feels quite obvious at that level. And even the futility of it all again. You know how it just ties yeah. in with their futile um, sort of forms of trying to attain salvation. I mean, it's very connected, you know, and and it's usually a, a works thing, you know. So they're trying to through that process of holy days and whatever other ceremonies, you know, they understand the burden. They're perverting the burden. They're I, turning it into an idolatrous thing. But it's still trying. It's part of this work system for them that's coming from natural law. It's coming from a covenant of grace notion in man. Um, and it's it's spelling out their judgment. It's putting a heavy burden on them that they can never actually enter into. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there's it's rich. You know, you've got to, you know, I don't I, I don't know what the the real benefit is there of of um, of saying that none of that applies in any way to an unbeliever. I think I think w- probably one one of the things that I get, you know, just hanging around the reform guys for a little bit, you start. I mean, you could see how after a, a Sunday or two of, of being, you know, beaten into a certain mold with these random regulations or just the bickering that goes on around the subject in terms of its application and uh, people being so insistent on very bizarre things. Um, you could see how you just want to re- overreact and just cut the legs out of, of that argument and just go, um, you know what, there is no Sabbath for the unbeliever or, you know what, there is um, uh, just kind of an overreaction there. And just to be free of it all, you know, and I get that. Um, but I think there's just a better way to do that. I think if you just draw the lines at the the, the, the Lord's Day and coming to church, I mean, that's very lucid. You have to worry when this. One of the things we've one of the things we've tried to do, and because of the smallness of our town, we can do. We're able to have a double service: one right. in the morning, one in the evening. I know you guys have a longer service to compensate for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we try and between the service to spend as much time together as we can with other believers. And that's our attempt to take the whole day and give it to God. Right. Um, yeah. You know, All right. It, I, I agree with the Puritan sentiment that okay. the Sabbath, the Lord's day is the market day of the soul. 
You know, that's right. that's the day you shop and you go crazy for Jesus, right. you know, for your soul. Yeah. By going to church and drinking deeply of those things. And that's it's probably worthwhile making the connection between the powers of the age to come mm-hmm. and the day that speak of the powers of the age mm-hmm. to come as, mm-hmm. as the type of sign and thing signified. Yeah. Yeah. An expected blessing to be had as we as we fall into that easy mold in in the commandment. Well, I'm thinking of like most Kleinians. Okay, maybe, I don't know, what should we call them, second-level clients? I don't know, I'm thinking like Horton, Van Drunen, you know, those guys that are, are pushing the basic client framework, but obviously have come into their own in terms of uh, their, their theology and what they're uh, moving forward, or uh, at least uh, advancing. Um, they are, none of them are buying into the whole Sabbath thing. What they want to do there is exactly what you said. They, they want to take the, the heart of that theology, and they want to say, all right, well, uh, amen. There remains now a Sabbath keeping ordinance, not just church uh, on Sunday, but really the day. So the same thing, but you know, we're getting our motivation and drive now to rest, you know, in that the rest is not just coming spiritually as a celebration on, on the Lord's day, as we enter into rest, as we, you know, declare our, our worship, but even just physically, as we, as we look forward to, to what is to come, uh, we rest in anticipation of the rest that, that we will receive uh, not in order to receive the rest, you know. So they want to keep it. They want to keep the full orb Sabbath day thing, and that I think is even that much more closely aligned with the Westminster or the, the sixteen eighty nine. And I again, I appreciate the sentiment. I, I feel that. I mean, it's great to be able to have. I mean, I would love to be able to work that through and say, um, yeah, just take the day. You know, the, the issue has always been for me that you know what happens when someone doesn't do that. You know, as a pastor, you've got someone who goes, you know what, I got to work that that Sunday, or, 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 they just they go on a you know a marathon and someone finds it distasteful. You know, they 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 they, they go on a run or, or they want to uh, play a soccer game. You know, a lot of sport in New Zealand happens on the Sunday. You know, so that's a a good example as well. You know, something like that. They're just they're not resting in the way the other person thinks they should rest and that sort of thing. And you end up with a lot of sort of um, things that you need to iron out. For me, I've never been able to to um you know because i mean at the end of the day if you're saying this is a commandment that they're breaking that is sin and you have to be able to call it as such you have to be able to work it through as such even per, potentially um with with a church disciplinary issue um i'm just not i don't feel confident to push that beyond the actual church service itself i don't feel like i have the theological confidence to go there i would like to i have the sentimental confidence to go there and and so yeah. what way i've landed with that is i, I just said you know, as if you can, why not? You know, if if you have the day or if you can get the day, try and take the day because of all days of the week, it works best together with uh, the, the worship of God's people to, to physically rest in, in, in the same heart and the same. Uh, but, you know, that's admittedly just kind of a bit of a concession there from my, from my end. But, um, you know, yeah. It's just like where you got to you got to draw clear lines in pastoral ministry. Otherwise, you're going to be authoritarian and you're going to come up with some weird thing. And I'm just not willing to go there. I've seen people go there too, where you know people get up get into real trouble for doing something that is entirely random uh, on the Sabbath day. Yeah, I guess you know. um, just coming back to our, my difference with the 1689, recognizing that the Puritans saw England as a type of Israel, as a type of theocracy. Yeah, when bad things happened to Israel, it was because England wasn't keeping the Sabbath. Right. And so they began to try and find ways to legislate how things could be done. Speaking of works of mercy, necessity, and religion being the three types of works that you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, That approach is very much rooted in the way in which 
Old Testament Israel approach to the law yeah, yeah. and is not a guide for how the new covenant people ought to be doing it. Yeah. I mean, I just look at the New Testament church and I see that there were slaves and they weren't rioting in order that they could keep the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. What was happening was uh, church service happened later at night. Mm-hmm. We see in 1 Corinthians 11 that people, some people were, were arriving late it was, and the mealtime had already gone mm-hmm. by and people mm-hmm. were already drunk. Mm-hmm. Those would have been the slaves knocking off, mm-hmm. and they would have arrived with their little, their only, their little loaf of bread, and all the meat and wine would have been gone, and they would have been suffering mm-hmm. and not being able to partake. And Paul is advocating for them, mm-hmm. and um, but that's how he advocates, yeah. you know, have that moment of unity around the supper, but not go back to your master and demand that you get the whole day off. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, would you say that they have to go back? Well, I suppose when slavery is kind of an anomaly in that way, but but in terms of, um, you know, should you go to your bus and if you can't get Sunday off to worship at all, or do you need to find a church that meets on a Wednesday night, <laughs> or you know how how is that? How is because I tell at the moment I'm telling people quit your jobs if that's what it comes down yes, to. Yes, I mean so let me let me make a, a real scenario. Let's say uh, Islam comes to dominate. Yeah. And Islam decides that they would like to meet on Saturday because, you know, uh, the Jews begin their Friday night Sabbath. Mm-hmm. They go to the six o'clock, to, uh, you know, they start on Friday evening. Mm-hmm. So there's the Jews, there's the Muslims, and then there's Christians who take Sunday. Yeah. You know, let's say that the Muslims are in power. Mm-hmm. Should you just concede on the basis of whoever's in power to worship on the day that they allow you to have leave? Right. And I would say no for the sake of Christian witness and Christian tradition. Yeah. Keep the Lord's day, yeah, and be willing to suffer persecution if necessary. Yeah, Amen. I think so. Um, yeah, and I suppose there's a big functional difference to what we're saying here, and to perhaps what other some other views would say. In that, you know, just meet whenever you can. Do you know, just agree upon a day to meet and that sort of thing. Um, some people esteem this day. Some people esteem this day, but you know, just you yeah. Know, well, I, I, uh, just to come back to this day or that day. If Paul's already established the tradition of the Lord's Day as the first day when the church meets, he's not saying what you can esteem that day as any day. Right. But only a different issue because he's not touching the tradition he's established. He's talking about something different. I think so. So it's misapplied if we try and bring it back to the tradition that the apostles have established. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So you've got, you know... um, I think we're in agreement there. And if you if you're gonna if you're going to call for that, you know, hey, be willing willing to suffer for this, which is, I think what Hebrews was doing, by the way, just that whole, you know, yes, continue to suffer, just don't forsake yeah, the gathering. Th- of the think saints. about it. If you're a Jew, what day did you meet on? Saturday. Yeah. What was you know? If you wanted to show people that you were no longer a Christian, what would you do? You meet on Stop Sunday. meeting on a Sunday. Yeah. It was the first thing that would go by the wayside. But now you need that Sunday. Go to church because your life depends on it. And right. recommit yourself back into the fellowship, which would have been the Sunday. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, just coming and um, coming back to what you said a little bit earlier there with the what, what did you say the the shopping thing for the of your soul for the Lord? What what was that? Yeah, uh, market day of the market soul. day of the soul. <laughs> I like that uh, the the Puritan idea. And then you know, thinking about the the sixteen eighty nine, I really um. I appreciated um, Doctrine and Devotion. They did a thing on the Sabbath the other day, and they just basically went by the book through, I, you know, knowing Joe and knowing his position on the Sabbath and knowing he feels a similar level of discomfort to us. Um, I, I thought they did a great job in that what they essentially did was they said, all right, you know, because I, I think what you said earlier was 100% correct in that, you know, that Puritan idea um, 
was was completely incorrectly rooted into Old Testament Israel and its you know theocratic context um, as it came through in the Westminster. Unfortunately, we just copied and pasted that into the 1689. Now, like we did, I mean, they did a great job in everything else. They they ironed out all of those themes and made sure we weren't copying and pasting on the on the points that mattered. But they did, I think, copy and paste the Sabbath part um, in in a way that they should have modified. Now, what can you do with it? Um, you know, yeah, you have it. Do we need to just ignore it? And I, I really liked what Doctrine and Devotion uh, did with it, in that they, you know, they took all the legalism out of it. You know, so no one gets to say to anyone else, "Hey, you should have filled up that tank of petrol." Uh, or that tank of gas if you're in the states, <laughs> um, you know, the previous night and not on the way to church. No one sit. No one gets to say that to anyone, right? We're not. We don't have those technical grounds upon which to accuse other people of what they ought to do or ought not to do on the Sabbath. Um, besides the church thing, of course, um, and uh, and yet, you know, you can very much retain the whole desire, like as each one comes before the Lord. Try and work it out so that day, that day is as unhindered as possible uh, in your conscience as you work it out in your family so that the, the, the space is free for church and for discussion about church and for hanging out with people from church and just doing the whole thing. Work that out to the best of your ability, you know, capturing really the heart of that, uh, as well said in the confession, and, uh, and, just, and just stripping people of the authority to be able to like, use it as, a, as, a, as something to beat people with. You know? So, you know, amen. So, to, coming back to the whole point of like, not working. If you cannot work, um, it's a great day not to work on. You know? uh, try and not work on the Sabbath. And so in that way, I think you can retain a consistency in, in, in sort of reading this and going, yes, try and do this. This is a, an ideal that would be amazing. Um, but at the same time, you have to be careful of just imposing some false standards of, you know, traditions of men instead of the commandments of God. And, um, and so that's what I would want to be wary of. Um, and the only thing we're actually saying as a, as a standard, like, Hey, you've got it. You got to not forsake the gathering of the saints. Go to church. Go to church. Don't forsake it. (laughs) All right. So I suppose go to church as if your life depended upon it because it does. That's true, man. Amen. That's a good mic drop. Um, smooth transition there, Nick. Smooth transition. You ready? 